Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the August 10th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 117 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Lally and myself review this past weekend of racing and chat about whatever other exciting news of the world of modern motorsports pops into the conversation. So how are you doing this evening? Have you recovered from your long weekend in Seattle yet? Well, I'm good, but I don't think so. I seem to be taking naps, and I usually don't take naps, and I think that's because my sleep schedule is so thrown off that now I'm like, oh, I need a nap. It's all that nitrous oxide insulation. That's what it is. <laughs> Probably. It's good for you. Nitromethane clears you out and puts you to sleep. Mm-hmm. How do you think? What do you think about the comments that Kevin Harvick made yesterday about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and the fact that he's actually drawn down the amount of fans in the series? I actually didn't hear the comments. Ah, well, it was a. He has his own radio show on. Uh, on I don't remember the the station. I think it might be one of the MRN stations, but don't quote me on that. It could be one of the Sirius XM radio NASCAR things. But he uh, he basically insinuated that since Dale Earnhardt Jr. hasn't won a championship yet, the amount of uh, and he's still the most popular driver. The amount of of fans that would be brought in if he did bring the championship would would more than fill up the grandstands in the in NASCAR races. And since he hasn't won a championship, the grandstands are getting more and more empty as the years go on. Huh. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. What about you? Yeah, I think it, uh, I think it was a little harsh, especially he's a, uh, he's basically beating up on Dale Earnhardt Jr. Cause Dale Earnhardt Jr. Won't be there next year to defend himself. That's what I feel anyway. Um, but I think that uh, he's also looking for a crutch. He's looking for a way to, to make it seem like the, uh, the issues of NASCAR can be boiled down to one person. And uh, although Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the most popular, he's the guy who's on all the commercials, whether you're a NASCAR fan or not, you know who he is. I um, think it's, he can carry or, or destroy the sport all by himself. I think that's a, uh, that's a little bit too general of a statement. Yeah. Well, and you can like kind of twist that around. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't think that's very nice. No, I, that's what uh, that's what Dale Earnhardt Jr. said too. He said he was a little a little hurt by the statement, but uh, but he's a big boy and he can deal with it. So. Yep, and it's just bringing up the child in Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. It should be a it'll be a, it'll be fun to see how that goes. But I think that they they've never really. There's a lot of animosity against Dale Earnhardt Jr. considering he has been the, the most popular driver for a long, long time. And uh, it's just how it goes. And I think that the uh, in the end, they're all, they're all just being, being big kids anyway, going around and doing what they do. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as they're having fun. They're doing, 
doing something other people enjoy. But but as soon as they start pushing and, and calling people names, it's not the not the best thing. It's all it's all part of the sport, though. It's just a little bit of little bit of the uh, bad mouthing little boys thing that goes on in in NASCAR nowadays. Well, and I think that even when he does get out of the sport, which I think is this coming season or whatever. He's probably still going to be the most popular driver, even if he's not like on the track every weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's there's going to be a lot of changes in NASCAR over the next few years, and the uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It definitely will. And I think we can we can ask our first guest a little bit about that. Our first guest this evening is Mike Wells of Blue Bunny Ice Cream. For more than 80 years, Blue Bunny has been bringing delicious ice cream made with fun, fresh ingredients to families, adding a little playfulness to any occasion. Blue Bunny offers over 75 flavors of ice cream and frozen novelty products available at retailers and convenience stores nationwide. For more information, visit BlueBunny.com. They partner with the Jimmy Johnson Foundation and the Helmet of Hope, which will be worn by seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson this weekend during the Pure Michigan 400 NASCAR Cup Series race at Michigan International Speedway in Brooklyn, where a special paint team featuring the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, JJS, will be featured on his number 48 Lowe's Chevrolet. The helmet features five charities working to improve K-12 public education as it shows support to Johnson's efforts to raise funds for programs that support K-12 public education. A number of his NASCAR Cup Series competitors will display JJS-branded decals on the visors of their helmets. The 5% charities are Art Feeds in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Edu Futuro in Arlington, Virginia, the Mary J. Triglia Community House, hopefully I didn't butcher that too badly, in Sioux City, Iowa, School on Wheels of Massachusetts in each Bridgewater, East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and the Kids Reading Room in Houston, Texas. New to the weekend, decade to highlighting the JJF, is the Visor Campaign mentioned a moment ago. A number of competitors will support specifically designed JJF strip on the visor of their respective helmets. At the conclusion of Sunday's 400-mile race at Michigan, participating drivers will sign the visors. The signed visors will be available in an online auction to raise funds to support K-12 public education. Participating drivers include A.J. Allmendinger, Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer, Chris Usher, Kyle Bush, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Chase Elliott, Casey Kane, Matt Kenseth, Danica Patrick, Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Drivers Ryan Blaney, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, and Jamie McMurray will donate visors for the auction. In addition to the Blue Bunny Helmet of Hope program, the foundation operates the Champions Grant program, which provides cash grants to schools in the Johnson's hometowns and where they currently live. Team Up for Technology, a $48,000 technology makeover, open to schools nationwide. And the Jimmy Johnson Foundation Fit Fest, a family-friendly event held in North Charlotte, North Carolina, that features running, mountain biking, obstacle racing, music, food, and more. Each of these programs will be featured on the special JJF paint scheme. To date, the Jimmy Johnson Foundation has contributed more than $9.6 million to schools and nonprofits across the country. Chandra and Jimmy Johnson launched the Jimmy Johnson Foundation in February 2006. Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR Cup champion, drives the number 48 low Chevrolet SS NASCAR's top series, the mission of the foundation is to assist children, families, and communities in need throughout the United States. The foundation has committed more than $9.6 million to various charities. The foundation currently focuses on K-12 public education, 
For additional information on the Jimmy Johnson Foundation, please visit www.jimmyjohnsonfoundation.org. We're now happy to welcome Mike Wells to the program. Hey, well, how are you doing Mike this Wells, evening? How are you this evening? I'm very I'm doing well. Pretty well. Yeah, we're both good. doing okay. That's a good thing. First off, can you yeah, tell us a little bit more good. about yeah? <laughs> tell us a little bit more about your work with the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. Yeah, we've been partnering with uh, the foundation for the last ten years, and specifically for since 2012, with the uh, Helmet of Hope, helping raise uh, money for public education to uh, give these kids a, a better start in life. That's cool. What exactly is the Helmet of Hope? So the program recognizes the hard work of nonprofit organizations that directly support K-12 public education. Um, it allows fans and consumers across the country to nominate a nonprofit organization uh, that directly supports K-12 public education. And how do charities apply to be part of the Helmet of Hope program? So anyone can nominate a nonprofit that directly supports K-12 um, education, um, in our case, nine charities are selected based on nominations, and uh, Blue Bunny selects a tenth charity. Those ten semifinalist organizations are uh, put to a week-long public vote. Um, it's up to those charities to engage their supporters on, on uh, <clears throat> uh, social network. Uh, the top five organizations, uh, vote-getters of those ten, receive a $25,000 grant. Um, most importantly, a Blue Bunny ice cream party, and they get their logo featured on Jimmy's Helmet, uh, during a cup race, and uh, just like you had mentioned earlier in your broadcast, uh, they get their names out in the, in the public a little more and get more recognition that helps them raise additional funds. You just mentioned the most important thing, the, the ice cream. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an old-school um, purist at heart. It's our, it's our Blue Bunny vanilla bean, just uh, the really great vanilla ice cream and uh, nothing, nothing to hide when you're eating vanilla. <laughs> I'd love the uh, the Blue Bunny Bunny tracks. I, I'm pretty much addicted to that, and every time we go to the grocery store, I have to pick up another container of it. That's just awesome. It is good stuff. <laughs> and what is your job specifically with the Blue Bunny ice cream? So I'm uh, I'm a, a third-generation uh, Wells family member. Our business is still a family-owned business and 104 years old, and I'm the uh, president and CEO and one of the owners. Cool. Well, let me throw you out to my co-host, Michael Mullally. He has a few questions for you as well, and then I'll come back and have a couple of follow-ups. Great. So do you follow a lot of racing, or are you mostly an ice cream kind of guy? So I love racing. Um, I introduced myself to Jimmy back in 2009 uh, when in an interview he was asked what else he loved besides NASCAR, and he said ice cream. And uh, I couldn't help myself. I'd been a fan since he came on the scene. I was an avid NASCAR fan. And, um, in fact, uh, my wife and close friends would tell you I'm probably more of a fanatic than I am a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that might answer my next question. So, Jimmy Johnson, must he your most adored NASCAR driver? Absolutely. And uh, the, the fun thing in uh, in this relationship uh, in, in helping raise money for kids is that uh, Jimmy and I have become friends along the way and enjoy the same things in uh, biking and triathlons and um, and all things that have uh, that are motorsports related. So being an avid race fan, have you ever gotten into a race car yourself? 
So I had the pleasure of doing a uh, Ride of a Lifetime event with Jimmy a couple of years ago where uh, I was strapped into the seat next to him at 195 around Charlotte Motor Speedway, six inches off the outside wall, and I couldn't do anything but laugh the entire time. Um, I don't know how to word this question. Okay, we'll just skip that one. <laughs> so, so do you have any other ice creams that you enjoy, or is it just Blue Bunny? It's it's really just Blue Bunny, um, but in our case, um, we, you know, make so many different flavors. Um, as Adam said, you know, Bunny Tracks is, a, if I had a second favorite, would be Bunny Tracks. Um, you know, we make so, so many delicious flavors and, uh, and, and have such a high-quality product that there's really nothing we make that I don't enjoy. Um, and, um, and, and variety is the spice of life. And where did the name Blue Bunny come from? Okay, so back in uh, the 1920s, my family actually got out of the ice cream business and in the early 1930s got back into it. And when they did, the company that had bought our business said they owned the right to the name. So we had to name the ice cream contest. And a uh, local graphic artist for a newspaper came up with a character at the encouragement of his son who saw blue rabbits in the window of a department store um, at that time. And that's where our silly name of Blue Bunny Ice Cream came from. Wow. Well, 1935. Crazy. So, um, you know, I'm just going to skip that question altogether. Adam, take it away. <laughs> What's your favorite part about be, being involved in the ice cream business? I think it's uh, it, it's twofold. Um, one is that we exist to bring joy to everyday life, and just realizing that ice cream is a comfort food, that it really is something that brings families together, is a is a wonderful part of our job. But the second is that when we do our job well, we have an opportunity to give back and and reinvest back in our consumers and our communities. And programs like the Helmet of Hope really allow us to take our success and do something good with it for the benefit of others. I know you do a lot of work with the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. Are there other foundations in the, uh, specifically in motorsports that you work with as well? No, we're really singularly focused. Um, you know, we really believe in the, in the partnership and the relationship. And, and because of those uh, that friendship that we've been able to, to do, it really is uh, all we're doing in motorsports um, on a local mm-hmm. level in our local community. Uh, we're uh, we're a, a big supporter of our United Way and the things that we're able to do to reinvest back in our community. Cool. Are you planning on expanding your partnership with Hendrick Motorsports in the in the future? I know they've got the, a bunch of changes going on in the next year or so. Well, I'm anticipating that there will be some requests and some opportunities, so we'll we'll have to evaluate those when they come. And what's your favorite racetrack that you've been to? Uh, my favorite racetrack, I really, um, I enjoy, uh, I've had a chance to be to probably two-thirds of the tracks. Um, Kansas City is our home track. I would say we enjoy it just because of the familiarity. Um, loved Pocono just for the uniqueness of uh, of the tricky triangle. And um, uh, really enjoy um, Charlotte just because of the ambiance and the, and the history. And what sort of new and exciting flavors are on the on the horizon for Boo Bunny in the next few months? So this year we launched a product called Bunny Snacks, which is a very indulgent uh, four different varieties of a, of a, a mini, um, you know, enrobed uh, individual piece. 
Um, we've got some new products coming out for next year um, in, in the form of, of very indulgent um, pre-manufactured sundaes. And uh, there's always new flavors coming out. Um, it, it escapes me right now what some of those are for next year. But, um, you know, one of the things that we enjoy doing is keeping our consumers interested and having them come to the aisle every time looking for something new. Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening and wish you lots of luck in the in the ice cream company as well as with your charity work, especially with the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. Thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity uh, tonight to, to talk about our company and about the great work that Jimmy and Shani are doing through the foundation. Thank you, and have a nice evening. Thank you. Once again, we'd like to thank Mike Wells of the Blue Bunny Ice Cream Corporation, who also works as the president of the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. They have a lot of work that they do around the country, and they've got the big event coming up this weekend in Michigan. So be sure to go out and be sure to check that out, as well as pick up your favorite Blue Bunny ice cream. As I said, the, you can't go wrong with bunny tracks. That's just amazing, and I'm going to have to put more of that in my freezer this weekend. As we say in the intro a little bit, uh, Michael Mullally spent some time this weekend at the Pacific Raceways for the NHRA Northwest Nationals. Tell us a little bit more about how you how you spent your weekend. Well, my dad likes to exaggerate times for everything. Like, we could be going somewhere that would take us, like, a half hour to get there. And he'd be like, oh, we need to get there an hour early. Like, okay, Dad. But, um, well, I was off there Friday around, like, noon or so. And, anyways, we got the passes and everything. We got settled in. We got into the stands after the walk through Nitro Alley because my dad just passed to sniff all the nitro that he can. <laughs> um, it wasn't too hot at first, but then it got rather hot throughout the day. The track's temperature that day ended up being, I think, a high of 133. So that made it for, you know, not the greatest passes. And mm-hmm. We ended up sitting in the stands, but then we ended up making, like, I know myself, I made, like, 10 trips down into the shade because it wasn't, like, a normal heat that I feel on the other side of the mountain where I'm from. It was, like, a like a humid kind of heat, so it was, like, extra hot, I thought, anyway. And, anyways, I think the temperature that day ended up being, like, 94. Mm. So that was interesting. And then... Saturday, we got there, and we went over and talked to, well, my dad talked to Pony Brothers, and mm-hmm. my sister got there, and so, you know, my family was there, and my dad set up the interview for that, which we did Sunday, and, you know, of course, we had to go through Hydro Alley. Um, we went into the media tower after this lady didn't even believe that we had the media credentials to do so and boy we showed her she ended up apologizing it was kind of funny <laughs> and we went in there <laughs> um and it was like really cool like from inside the tower like that was the first time i've ever even been like up close to the tower on the step of the tower touching the door handle of the tower and you go inside and the view was just rather amazing from inside the tower like more so than when where we were sitting in the stands. So that was pretty cool. And plus, Sarah, I don't want to pronounce her last name because I don't want to say it wrong. She was really nice and helpful, and she invited us back for the 
number one qualifier interviews from each class, which we did actually come back for. And then she told us to push our limits with our passes, and so my dad took that straight to heart. We actually made it up to the starting line, like literally three car lengths from the tree itself. So that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, but the nitro was just really heavy up there, so I was only up there for maybe 20 minutes, and my dad was like, oh, I'm going to stay up here. And I was like, okay, you do that. But I like my brain cells. And... Brain cells are overrated. (laughs) No, not really. Especially when, like, I, like, can never say what I'm thinking. I think that's lack of brain cells throughout racing throughout the years. (laughs) So I'm already screwed in that department. And the fastest qualifiers were Robert Hyde for Funny Car, Antron Brown for Top Fuel, um... I can't remember who it was for Pro Stock. I think it was that, like, new teenage kid that just started racing. And okay. the bikes were there, which was cool, because I've never, I mean, at the when we went to the IHRA races in Spokane, we saw the bikes, but, you know, I've always wanted to see the bikes at Pacific Raceways, so that was cool, because they actually made it. And then we went down to the tower. I misunderstood what... Sarah said, and I thought they were going to do one big interview with all of the number one qualifiers. I was mm-hmm. wrong. They were in separate interviews, but I did manage to catch Antoine Brown, which you see on my page. Yep. And anyway, so that was pretty cool, and that summed up the day two. And then the hotel we got, Motel, actually was pretty sketchy. Probably won't stay there ever again. Um... Well, and then day three came along. It wasn't quite as hot. The track temperature, I believe they said, was like 120 or so. The passes were decent. They weren't the fastest passes that we'd seen there, but, I mean, they were decent. Mm-hmm. And your winners were Robert High, Antron Brown won by 1,600 of a second, which was pretty cool. Um, Erica Enders lost to Bruce Gilman. Yes, you commented on my post and you asked who that was, and I got to tell you, I have no idea. I don't know if he's, like, new or if he's one of those that races part-time, but he ended up beating Erica Enders, so he's got something going for him. Yep. Um, he invited us to come back for the interview with the winners, but by that time, we were all just tired already, and... You know, we don't wear earplugs, which is probably where more of my stupidity comes from. But, yeah, so we all had headaches. and Well, I didn't really have a headache when my ears were ringing, and they actually rang until, like, Monday, but then they finally stopped. And, anyway, so, yeah, we actually just ended up leaving because it was a long weekend, but it was well worth it. Everybody was pretty cool. That Tony Brothers guy, I don't know if anybody's, heard of him or anything, but he was actually really nice. He's won Mm -hmm. two national championships. He said, you know, that's his ultimate goal is to just win championships. Um, You know, and I don't want to say, like, anything bad about the NHRA because, I mean, obviously, like, they did a lot for us. And, you know, they like, this last weekend, the experience was amazing. But I got to say that I'm a little disappointed 
when it comes to the drivers. Like, and don't get me wrong, like, not all of the drivers, because, I mean, you know, like, Antron Brown, he was super outgoing and super friendly. But, like, a lot of them, they're just kind of... I don't know how to explain it, but you could tell, like, there, that there's, like, a huge line in the sand drawn. Like, the, hmm. you know, like, the other classes, like, the super stock and the whatever their name, or, like, the stock illuminator, like, those kind of guys, you can tell. Like, they're super, you know, like, they want you to come over and check out their cars. They want you to ask questions. You know, they want to, like, interact with you. And... I kind of, you know, felt like there was a little line drawn in the sand where, and I know they're all, like, super busy, and there's, like, a ton of people, but I just feel like there are some drivers, and I know you're totally going to get that in any sport, and I probably sound super, super right now, but you could just kind of tell that there's a little animosity in the air, maybe, but other than that, I mean, everything was fine. And it was a fun weekend. The racing was good. The food wasn't the greatest, but, you know, it was still good. I got a lot of energy drinks. That was pretty nice. And, yeah. You drink a lot of free Mellow Yellow? I did. And then my dad, um, he was like, oh, nothing like Mellow Yellow from a, you know, $10,000 Mellow Yellow machine. And I was like, yeah. So he went and he got his fair share of Mellow Yellow from there. But it was a good weekend. I just, you know, I kind of feel like professional drivers, they, they, you know, they feel just that, that they're the professional drivers and everybody pays a lot of money to go watch them. But I just kind of feel like even in NASCAR, like don't get me wrong, in any professional sport, I just kind of feel like the professional drivers, I don't want to say it should be a little more professional so they could, like, interact a little more with their fans. And I'm not talking about just me. Like, I'm not, you know. But I feel like, you know, people are paying a lot of money to go watch them. I feel yeah. like if someone waves at you as you're driving down the, the, you know, like, nice alley, like, if someone waves at you, is it really going to kill you to wave back at them? Or if they're like, hey, is it really going to kill you to say hey back? You know, like, that kind of thing. Probably not, but you never know. I do get what you're what you're saying about that, about the fact that they're they're busy. And I think at this time of year, especially when it gets a little a little bit further into the season, their attitudes are a lot different than they will be, say, when I go see them in in uh, in March of next year. So, but that time they're they're not thinking as much about points, and they're not thinking about as much about other things. And and I think that they sometimes they get a little overwhelmed, even though I'm sure that they tell you they don't. So. Like I said, you know, I I mean, I love the sport, and I think they're great, you know. Like, it's cool that you can make it down a drag trip in four seconds. I think that's pretty awesome in itself. And like I said, I think that they are the most outgoing when it comes to, you know, the professional sport. But I just mm-hmm. feel like, and I know, like, it's stressful. Like, I didn't even race professionally, and I know that there are moments where I was like, overwhelmed, but, you know, I just feel like, well, you know what I feel like. Come on, finish my sentence. (laughs) (laughs) 
I actually think it's a it's a, a an interesting arrangement how how the NHRA does it because their thing is actually a lot more open than pretty much every other form of of professional motorsports there is where they allow you the the full access to the garage and all that. Um, as you say, there's definitely some some people who are better than others, and the uh, you know, some of the people in the in the stock preliminary and that sort of thing would be a lot or a lot more hands on, not only with the cars but with the with the fans as well. Um, but you never know. I think sometimes sometimes things are better than they people are better than they are at other times. And like I said, I think sometimes they get stressed or they they're in between things. And but overall, I think it's probably the one of the best setups in the in uh, in professional racing just for the fact that you get so close and and you get a better better feel for how the people actually are. Yeah. Well, and I guess you know. I left out. Well, I didn't really leave it out, but it was really hot, too. And a lot of them yeah. probably weren't too keen of the heat. I know I really wasn't. But, you know, I know that, like, that stuff plays part, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, all around, like, all in all, it was a great weekend. The racing was great. I didn't get in any fights with anybody, so that was pretty cool. But I do think that NASCAR should kind of maybe take notes from the NHRA, whether it's like, I don't know, lowering your pit prices or whatever. Because I do think the NHRA's got a good thing going. And I, like I said, mm-hmm. I do think NASCAR could really learn a lot from them. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. But I think that NASCAR has their own their own set of problems that they're they're addressing right now, not only with the fact that they're they're losing a lot of the marquee drivers this year. They're losing people like Dale Earnhardt Jr. They're going to lose, possibly lose Matt Kenseth. Um, other people who have who have been a draw in the past and next year are not going to be. Um, so that that'll be the uh, the big thing they have to worry about. Um, but as you look at, pretty much every form of motorsports has has a similar issue that I've been I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is the fact that there there are so few teams and so few owners involved in professional motorsports now, and they're not young men. So if one of them happened to have a uh, happened to pass away this month or next month or whatever, and some of them don't have don't have the best uh, set up for the future. So if someone like Penske were to die tomorrow, or someone like uh, Don Schumacher in in the NHRA, there would be a big hole to fill in in racing and it wouldn't be a good thing. And I don't know how they're planning on addressing that, but that's definitely something the, the sanctioned body should look at for the future. Yeah. Yeah. I've never looked at it. Like, like I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Or John force on force racing has, has a, a team every series. And I think he's, he probably has a better, a better setup in terms of his, uh, if something really bad were happening, I'm sure that the team would go on in one way or another because he has his wife of the owns the teams. Um, but but think of think of that. If Don Force Racing had to close tomorrow, there'd be there wouldn't be able to have a full field in any of the series in any of the pro series in the NHRA anymore. Very true. So. But I'm hoping to have a few a few drivers on from the NHRA in the next few weeks. I've got an, I've contacted some of their PR people because they we get the huge uh, PR bounce every time we get 
we get access to those races. So hopefully we'll get some people from Andy and Jerry on there. I'm also talking to a few other people in, uh, in some other series. We have some, some great up-and-coming drivers in this country, and I'm hoping to talk to some of them. Um, I know Chris Knight has, uh, has been very generous in the past two months. Uh, most of the drivers we had on in the, past, in the, the month of July, in fact, were set up through, through his promotion company. So hopefully we'll end up with a few more people coming up in September because we do only have one more show in the month of August because we're taking off next week. I'll be out of town next week. So should be a, a good thing. I'm hoping that the, uh, that the racing is pretty good this summer. It has been so far, and hopefully it will be for the, the rest of the year as well. I've started to set up some, some racing things for next season to attend uh, with media credentials, the first one, of course, being the, the NHRA event there in Gainesville. And we're probably also going to attend the the uh, IMSA, not the IMSA race, because we're not going to any, any IMSA things next year except for a few practices, which will be different from next year. But we are going to attend the uh, the IndyCar race in St. Petersburg, which is early March. Uh, that should be interesting. I'm working on getting media stuff for that, but that hasn't even been issued yet. Um, IndyCar has a, a different way of doing things, and that's that's awesome. They can do whatever they want. So that should be cool. Next year will be an interesting year in, in racing. I know that IndyCar has a, an entirely new body style coming out next year. So that'll be something. And as well, the uh, Formula One has a bunch of new stuff coming out. Um, I have reached out to a couple of Formula One people in the past, but that's that's never really gone well. But uh, Formula One has that new that new uh, roll cage system that we've talked to the, the designer of that uh, on this program a little, I think, a few months ago. Might be almost a year ago now, but that'll be that'll be something for next year too. So, so what is your next big event? I know you mentioned you're going to be doing some doing some racing in the uh, for for Helmuth Racing in the future. Um, yeah, but I think this weekend we might go to Idaho to watch their big race up there, but I think cool. Saturday um, I might enter my street car into a car show called Cars for Kids and awesome. all the benefits from that go to supporting foster kids of Grant County. So that's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the seasons are kind of almost over, but next season we will definitely have a car ready to go full season. I don't care if I have to, I don't even care, but it's going to happen because I can't stand not driving and I uh-huh. can't stand not racing and I can't stand not being able to spin somebody out if I want to. So, yeah, it's happening. Doing that on sea streets would not be a good thing. Uh, Probably not, but it's tempting sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you can find something good for next season. It's a, I know that the uh, the short tracks in this country are definitely having issues. That's been mentioned not only in this show but on Fox is starting to talk about that a little bit more now in other places as well. So hopefully you can find something up, something good out there. I wish you the best of luck. Anyway. Yeah. Well, our local track, the one that got shut down, it mm-hmm. got sold. And there was a dirt bike track in the middle, and then you had the cars on the oval on the outside. Well, mm-hmm. this new guy that bought it is into motorbikes. He's into dirt bikes. That's all he's into. So what he's doing 
and we've got confirmation that this is a thing, is he is taking out the circle track and making the dirt bike track bigger for bikes. Okay. Just bikes. And I'm like, wow, that's stupid, which I do find kind of dumb because why not? I mean, you have cars around here that want to race, and you have bikes around here that want to race, so why wouldn't you make money off of the both of them? Matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, how much money do they make on, on their motorcycle racing out there? How much of a draw do they have for that? Um, well, let's see. Cause I used to work out there and they did the motocross. They typically, so for riders, um, they charged like I want to say it was like thirty dollars per rider, but then mm-hmm. per pit person, technically you know quotation pit person, it was an extra twenty dollars. So if you have a truck full of you know one rider, two riders, and six pit people, you know like a little kid that's just going because his parents are going, that's an extra twenty dollars. And, you know, they're actually making a lot of money off of the bikes. And I think, like, on an average weekend, they had, you know, they had, let's see, I think on an average weekend, they had about 11 classes that averaged, like, six to ten riders in each class. And, I mean, you know, there were some, like, double bikes where, you know, they did double duty and raced you know, two classes or three classes or a single class. But they were making mm-hmm. good money. I think, you know, my math skills really suck, but <laughs> I kind of just tried to break it down for you. So an estimate maybe. And like I said, my math skills suck, so don't laugh at me. You know, they were making probably like, I don't know, well over – Ten thousand a night, which doesn't really sound like a lot, but I mean it is a lot, especially when you know it's a little town. But there's people coming over from like all over to race that, which I find kind of ridiculous. But to each their own, if you're into that. But yeah, no, they were making pretty good money off that, and then they kind of started. I don't want to say screwing people over, but like they kind of started charging additional funds to sit in the stands or, you know, to even just get through the gate. It was like $5, like additional $5. So that was where I think they kind of started losing their riders a little bit was when they started trying to squeeze more money out of them when they were already squeezing a good amount. But like I said, to each their own.
Sorry, I had to step away for a second there. <laughs> All right. I think your dog's ready to go for a walk. He's thinking about it anyway. <laughs> Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. I've put out quite a few of the past week, not as many as I did last week. I put out about 29, I think, but uh, got quite a few on there, uh, most of them covering the new, new rules package and a couple of new schedule announcements, so be sure to check that out in the racing news section. <coughs> Excuse me. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida, and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which we found by visiting palmbeach.happingmag.com. We started our Halloween previews there. We did a uh, Terror Tuesday two days ago, and today we put out our first Faces Behind the Fear about the character Misfit from the Fright Nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds. So be sure to check that out. Uh, there's a lot of awesome stuff coming up for for Halloween in the next few months. We're going to do a full two months of, of previews starting September. Uh, we've got a, an awesome sponsor from uh, Enigma Haunt for September, and Fright Nights will be our focus in October. So be sure to check that out. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again August 25th in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Thanks again, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>